Hello, my friends. Uh, this again is Dr. Andrew Hahn, and I am speaking with you from my library again in Waltham, Massachusetts. And this is episode 10 of Life Set of Guided Self-Healing, Fearless Living. And uh, this is episode 10. It's uh, for those of you who are listening, it's April 30th, uh, 2021. And today I was, again, going to go on with patterns because, uh, but no one's asking me about patterns, but several people have asked me about interventions and practices. So, um, you know, I listen to what you guys ask for. So I'm going to spend a, today talking a little bit about interventions. Now, if you recall, let's just be with this for a second so we'll have a context. Uh, <clears throat> What we've already said is that the most powerful practice is awareness when you choose to become the holding witness for whoever it is that is suffering, which we have already said is a body sensation. So every body sensation is a living being. And if they, if you can feel them, they were, something happened to whoever that being was and it couldn't be handled. And so they're here and you're living out their story. <clears throat> so we said that we have to find the most powerful uh, intention to find what would give you the most sort of like the most healing for, you know, the simplest, most powerful thing to work on. So we said, you have to find the true intention, which is why we're talking about patterns and you have to find where it originated. But then we said, there's a third thing that we have to do. And the third thing is sometimes that being says, just sharing my story from the inside out while you witness and hold me isn't enough. I need something else. And I want to talk about the something else's that one might need. We've talked a little bit about those already. So when we had, for example, in a prior episode, we talked about, you know, what we called karmic death wishes when you had a traumatic death. Well, the, the spiritual practice is called a Buddhist poa practice, which we just adapted to this. So you have to, you know, share with the with the part of the whoever it was that left, the dissociated or the lost soul part, that in fact they had died and you had to invite them to come back into the body and fully experience dying and go through the crown of the head and then go and merge back in and be embraced by the light. That's a spiritual practice. Or we said when you betrayed a trust, you know, you might have to do a forgiveness practice or make amends. Well, people started asking me about, you know, things like EMDR, if you know EMDR, or EFT, or frontal occipital holding. And they said, well, what about those? And sometimes those practices or interventions are necessary because while it is always necessary to hear the story, I mean, well, it's not always necessary, but it's typically necessary that we really listen to whoever it is that is suffering, sometimes they say that's not enough. We need something else. So I'm going to share with you some of what those something else's are. And I'm going to start today <clears throat> with three, actually I'm going to start with four practices that you can do on your own um, as a starting place. And 
uh, they're really lovely practices. And um, one of them is called frontal occipital holding. Um, and one of them is called I, it's well, it's eye movement, but it's really not, a, it's called EMDR, but it's really, EMDR is about crossing midlines. Let's be honest about this because, you know, it started with eye movement and we'll talk about that, but you can also do it with sounds in your ears or you can do it by tapping alternatively on your legs. The whole idea is you're gonna cross a midline or you can do any of the tapping interventions, the most standard one being called uh, emotional freedom technique. So let, let's talk about these a little bit right now and why we, they might be needed. And really to understand why they're needed, you have to understand that when a trauma happens, there can be a kind of breaking apart. And the breaking apart, if, this is the way I understand it. It doesn't make it so. It's, I'm not an expert in these energetic interventions. I didn't develop any of them. But if you think about it, there are you know, four kinds of breaking that can happen. You can have a left-right breaking, so your left side and your right side, where there's a bridge, the bridge can be broken, and then, of course, you have a problem because there's a disconnect, right? So it can be left-right. It can be front-back, and if you have a front-back, it's sort of like, you know, there's a break right down through the middle of the mind, and so the back of the back, is not connected with the front. That can also happen, obviously, when there is some kind of trauma. And the third kind is like, you could say it's sort of like head and body. Um, so it's like you're frozen and you don't have access to your body anymore. So it's up, down, but sort of like splitting you at the, at the neck in a sense, it's because you're frozen. So you, you're in terror and you can move your head, but your body's frozen. Then there's the fourth one is uh, a split between the personal and the divine. And uh, there's a sense sometimes that uh, we've lost our connection with the divine. So that's a different kind of split that happens in the trauma. So let's look at each of those. Now you can't see me, except uh, a few of you will be able to see me because most of you are gonna listen to this and not see it as a video. But if you do see it as a video, the first intervention we're gonna talk about is called unwinding frontal occipital holding, or it's usually called FOH or UFOH. And the only difference is if someone does this for you, it's really a lovely thing to just let your neck go. And when it stops, it's sort of like you're done. And all you do in frontal occipital holding is put one hand very lovingly on your forehead, like uh, you were being comforted by the best mother or parent you could ever imagine. And they're just here saying, I'm with you. And then you put your other hand behind your head between uh, your ears, which is the occiput. Now, what happens when there's a front back split? Basically, what happens is the occiput and the frontal and prefrontal lobes have a disconnect, right? Which means basically you're dissociated if, if you want to put it in a nutshell. Why? Because really, if you think about the occiput for a second, well, what's it about? You're seeing something, you're true visual, right? And you have the emotions that go with that, but it's disconnected from our executive function and our capacity to reflect and be discerning. 
So of course you're just frozen there, um, stuck in something and you dissociate. So what you do is you notice the disconnect, right? Of like, I've seen something and all the feelings that come up and I can't think, right? And then what you do is you put one hand on your forehead, like I said, and one hand behind your head. And what that does is it reconnects the occiput and the frontal lobe. It reconnects what you've seen and the emotions you have about it with your capacity to be discerning and be the executive in your life again. And the consequence of that is that it brings you back into the body, which is really quite an amazing thing. And I would say to people, my colleague once said, if I had one intervention I could do, it would be frontal occipital holding. And she told me a story, which I do not know is a third hand story of um, a nurse who was in a, a psychiatric hospital with people with dementia. And she started doing this practice with them um, five minutes two times a day. And after a couple of months, the psychiatrist said, what's happened to these people? It's, it was sort of like the story of awakenings, which was just coming out at the time of this, uh, when I was told this. Um, he said, you know, they're starting to come back a little bit. And it's an apocryphal story. I don't know if it's true or not, because I didn't see it firsthand. But it wouldn't be impossible. I mean, because that's what that kind of intervention can actually do for you. So that's frontal occipital holding or unwinding frontal occipital holding. There's a variation of that, which is called tapas acupressure technique. And tapas acupressure technique is like a mudra. It's, it's, a, it's a position you put yourself in. And what you do, if you can see me, is you take your thumb and your fourth fingers of either hand, doesn't matter, slide it up the bridge of your nose till you're gently, gently, gently touching right right below where your eyebrows begin. You take your middle finger and you put it right above your nose and the lower part of your forehead or what we might call the third eye. And again, you take your hand and you put it behind your head supporting you uh, on the occiput. And so that's what it looks like. Now, this intervention, um, which uh, is associated with a woman named Tapas Fleming, who if you ever have a chance to meet Tapas Fleming, I highly recommend it. She really feels to me like, um, in the best sense of being from another planet, you know, it's like uh, real wisdom and there's a quality about her that feels like she has wisdoms from other places, whether it's, you know, extraterrestrial or angelic, I don't know, but whatever it is, I have great honoring of it. But um, essentially what this does is, it does several things. The first is that because you're touching where you're touching, it is a good release. It, it opens the bladder meridian, which of course is, if you think about it, letting go of things that are sort of poisoning you, that are stuck. But that's just the beginning of what it does. What it also does is it opens the third eye and connects the third eye, I would say, with the occiput. So it's sort of like what you're getting is opening up to new possibilities, to new visions, right? And you still are reconnecting, again, the frontal and the occipital lobes, but you're doing it in a very particular way by opening the third eye. Um, and then, you know, like I said to you, I, I think there's something about the people these things come through. And there is something about this practice from Tapas, my experience of it, that's a profoundly expanding practice. It like brings you sort of out of sort of your parochial concerns a little bit to opening up to something more divine.
This is my experience of it. The other beauty of this practice, by the way, is it's a very good way to install something. Like after I'd done work with a man um, who had really severe OCD and he actually had a lot of difficulty even picking up a pencil, which was quite debilitating. And we did some trauma work around that, but at some point or other it said, okay, enough trauma work, we have to install something else. And I said to him, can you imagine and experience one time that you could actually pick up a pencil and not have to do it 30 times because you didn't do it exactly correctly? He said, well, yeah, I, I've done that in my life. Um, and there were times he actually had been because we had kind of figured out sort of like the general reason that he had such problems uh, specifically around pencils and what that meant to him. But we had done the trauma work. It was time to sort of say, well, can we open to something else? Can we install something? Can we, you know, do that? So I said to him, feel in your body what it's like when for one moment you can experience and imagine just picking up the pencil once and being able to use it. He said, I can do that. And I asked him what that felt like in his body, which in the body, which I don't remember what he said, but it was a good sensation. And I said, okay, now what you're gonna do is you're gonna just really drop in and become that sensation from the inside out, that good feeling in the body. And then what you're gonna do is you're gonna do this practice tapas acupressure technique, and you're gonna just deepen it and deepen it and deepen it. And I will tell you, um, you know, these apocryphal stories, um, because he certainly had a lot of other stuff and he had OCD in other areas also. But I will tell you that after that day, as far as I know, when he reported about this, he was saying, I can actually pick up a pencil and actually use it without having to do it perfectly and having to do it like 30 times and wiping it off and making sure it was done the right way and everything in a classical OCD kind of way. So go figure. Okay. So that is the second one of these things that goes a little bit with the first one. So now we're going to go to the third one. The third one is uh, um, what's called EMDR. And EMDR is about left-right splits. And a left-right split basically means, from my point of view, I mean, you could think about a lot of ways. You could think about the left brain and the right brain are disconnected from each other, or the left side and the right side are disconnected from each other. Well, <clears throat> um, what does that mean? Well, if you think about it as sides, it's one thing. You could say it's about the assertive parts of ourselves and the receptive parts of ourselves, which is what I think is a really good way of understanding left and right side. If you think about the left brain and the right brain, there's a lot of ways to talk about left and right brain. But what I would basically say is, for our purposes, the left brain is very detailed and logically oriented. The right brain is very big picture and creative. And if you have a split between the two, it's really you kind of can get stuck in the left brain and be stuck in a detail of something without being able to open in a creative way to a larger picture. So of course, you would want to be able to bring those two together because they have to really, they, you know, they are in a, you know, uh, kind of competitive collaboration, but if they're not married to each other, you know, it's not very good. So we want to get them back together. And the way we get them back together is you just are focused in the body sensation around whatever it is that caused this thing, you know, if you know what it is, you feel it in the body. And then 
while you let that body sensation speak again, you just cross the midline across your eyes. So your eyes go back and forth and back and forth. And of course you can do that with, as we said, sound. So you can have a sound going into your left ear and into your right ear, or you could tap on your legs, left, right, left, right, left, right. What I would say to you, however, is, um, if you're going to use your eyes, what I recommend, although it's a slightly different practice, is uh, a practice that really is an infinity loop. It's part of a, another intervention we'll talk about someday, but not today, called reversal tapping. Um, but basically, what it does, if you go in an infinity loop, so you go down the sides, I use walls, I go down the side of a wall, and I go up through the middle and down the side of a wall and up through the middle. So my nose is staying forward, but I'm going in a big infinity loop. And not only does that cross the midline, which is a great thing, because it brings to the left and right. But what it also does is it fires everywhere in your brain. Because if you think about this, if you know NLP, well, what is up is visual and to the side is auditory and to the bottom is kinesthetic. And on the left brain, it's literal, it's real. And on the right brain, it's imaginal. So when you're doing a big infinity loop, what it's doing is essentially firing visual, auditory and kinesthetic and both literal and imaginal and opening all of those aspects of your brain up to whole new information. So it's a lovely practice to make an infinity loop while you focus. Of course, if someone is there, they can make a big infinity loop for you. The key again, of course, is you go down the sides and up through the middle, okay? And the last practice we're gonna talk about today is called tapping. Now, there are two main tapping practices. One is called emotional freedom technique. The other is called thought field therapy. And you have to know that this is not my area of expertise. I'm a soul level psychologist and I study like Eastern mysteries and all this stuff. I'm not very pragmatic in the ways of, you know, sort of thinking about the differences of one question, which is, does the order in which you tap on certain meridians or these, you know, uh, rivers that are frozen, does it matter if you do it just sort of top to bottom and tap all of them? Or does the algorithm matter? Like I was thinking it's sort of like, you know, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Time, you need to tap da 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 da. And it had to be that order if you're gonna open the door. And of course, Roger Callahan said, well, the order matters and there's an algorithm for everything. And Gary Craig said, no, I'll just tap everything. And um, I think there's been, you know, lots and lots and lots of discussions about this, which I really am not an expert about. But what I would say is, I don't know the answer. And so I muscle test and I say, what do you want me to do? Because I've already talked to you about muscle testing in a prior one of these episodes. But the thing is, you're gonna tap on all of these meridians, except for an emotional freedom technique. Now they say you don't have to tap on all of them. You can tap on several of them. Unfortunately, you can't see me, but you can go to, you know, emotional freedom technique. You can just learn about it. It takes five minutes to learn when you tap. And basically when you start tapping is, you know, on your eyebrows, if you can see this, you tap right where your eyebrows begin and then you go right next to your eyes, literally right next to the under your eyes. And then you go here and then you go here. So here between your lower lip and your chin, and then you go to uh, what's called K27. So you find where your collarbones begin and go down an inch and over an inch, right? And you tap there and then um, in certain of the variations, they have you tap on a rib 
that is right even with your nipples. If you went across into the sides and you just massage there, it'd be a very painful place. And then you tap on the inside edge of your fingers, except that they basically say at this point, you have to tap on the inside edge. Well, I've studied this with a few people, but the inside edge of your thumb typically and of your pinky, and you can do the other fingers too. You won't have to remember there's one you don't have to do, but you're tapping on the one that is the inside edge. And if you don't know what the inside edge is, just tap on both sides, um, you know, and you'll be opening to all the meridians. And then they have you tap on what's called the gamut point, which is if you took your, uh, if you saw where your knuckles were between your pinky and your ring finger on either hand, there's a little V right below them going towards your wrist and you can just tap there and tapping there uh, opens you to new possibilities also. So what I wanna do is I wanna tell you what some of those points are just briefly because you know you can use them for various things. I wanna start with the points that are right next to the eyes, literally right next to the eyes. You could just very lightly tap there or you could massage them. And those points are called anger points. But what does anger points mean really? It means that you have some kind of unmetabolized anger that is, uh, poisoning you, you could say, in a sense. And so um, unmetabolized anger can either be a deadening, so it's like you're not even aware you're angry when you're angry, or it could be rage, because rage, of course, is not really experiencing anger, it's an explosion. So there's an implosion or there's an explosion, but either one of them is unmetabolized. And so what you want to be able to do is feel that anger that's this deadening anger inside, because that's true whether you don't feel anger or you explode in rage, it's a deadening process. And then you massage literally or tap right next to your eyes. And what ought to happen is it ought to be able to free up, at which point theoretically, if you did that enough, you'd be able to say, I'm aware and I'm experiencing anger, but I get to experience it, it's not running my life. So that's those points. The point, the next point I wanna to talk to you about is the points that are the point right between your lower lip and your chin. Those are called shame points. And shame, of course, is very insidious because shame is not about you've done something bad, it's that you are bad. So whenever it is you're feeling, I am bad, not that I've done something bad. And shame, of course, is, uh, you know, it's like, it's like you're naked and you're, it's like humiliating and you wanna go hide under a rock, that's shame. And, <clears throat> um, if you let yourself experience that shame and feel it in your body, you'll probably feel sick or something. And you massage here, it will really begin to help uh, also transform that shame uh, so you'll be freer. So, you know, tapping right there. Um, and so those are two good ones to start with. There's a lot of information here, but if you really handle those anger points and, you know, those shame points, that will be a good start. Well, <clears throat> Who knew where we were going to go today, but we're getting close to our time being up. So I hope that, you know, you listen to this. I'm just trying to give you, because people said, well, you know, what do you do if just like sharing the story isn't enough? And I said, well, you know, well, we started to talk about that, but I can give you some information that hopefully you can use, because you can use any of these things for yourself. I mean, you can put your hand on your forehead and behind your head and sort of come back into the body. You can, you know, do an infinity loop. And I think what you'll find is you'll be able to take smaller and bigger pictures and the part of you that is actively receptive and actively assertive and bring them together. You know, or you could use tapas acupressure technique, which is very good just as a general trauma 
intervention and also install something, right? Or you can do this tapping and tapping is full and you're frozen and just like a deer in headlights and you can't move because you are frozen and you start the meridians going again. And we talked about two of them in particular, one's related to unmetabolized anger and the other one about shame. So, you know, we it's sort of like we've gone through a very quick, you know, uh, journey of certain kinds of practices. Clearly there are many more en energetic interventions and energetic practices and spiritual practices we could use, but you know, you start someplace like we said last time with beginner's mind. And if you just took what we said today, believe me, you'll have a lot of good information. And if you do want to build on it, you know, go the other person I'd say, who's someone I really, I like Donnie, and I actually know Donna and David, you know, if you go look at energy medicine, you'll find if you're looking for wonderful practices that she has so many of them. And I'm thinking I'm going to do one now kind of called connecting heaven and earth because, you know, sometimes you want to be grounded, but you also want to be able to fly. So until next time, again, Andy Hahn, our website, lifecenteredtherapy.com. If you ever want to write to me, which a few of you are, it's A-H-A-H-N, Ahan at lifecenteredtherapy.com. And of course, if you're interested in anything else, you can find it there. We do have online trainings and you can find that on our website. And um, through the online trainings, I get to enter you, which makes me very happy. So be well, use the information well. And until we see each other again, I wish you, I wish you well, and I wish you freedom. Till then, bye-bye.